Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in with me, your host, Brandy Joy, a voice to be reckoned with. Today, I have a special guest. Scott Silverman is here. I'm so honored to have him here. You must tune in. Don't go too far. Lots of information to get. And uh, it's a no-brainer. You need to be here. Be right back. Mr. Silverman, or should I, is is there, would you prefer me to call you by first name, last name? You can call me Scott, that'd be great. Okay, Scott. Well, Scott, thank you for joining um, me on my show. I'm very honored to have you here. I, so, can't, uh, I can't believe I'm finally here. <laughs> I know, me either. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen, but I was like, no, <laughs> this will not happen. But I'm very happy that you were patient and uh, so stoked to have you. Thank you. So, can I? I did some of my homework, you know, because I'm very familiar with uh, quite a bit of um, what you've done. And then I did some more homework, and then I saw you've done so many other things. And I just uh, grateful that you're. you're, um, I know you've helped a lot, a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of people that didn't have a chance, and you gave them a chance. And we need more like you. Thank you. It's uh, it's what I love to do. It's my passion. It's what I get up in the morning for. And you know, now that I'm older, I like to believe that I've kind of learned what not to do and do whatever I can to be a resource for families. Yes, yes. Thank you. So, can I ask you, um, Scott? Could you uh, let give our listeners a little background on yourself uh, of what you what you do? And um... well, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, Scott H. Silverman, and I use my middle initial. So, if anybody wants to, can Google me. I grew up here in San Diego. I am a native, and I you know, grew up in a family business. Worked really hard to, you know, be part of, and and I always wanted to be the person, you know, in the group that you know didn't didn't really want to come early or stay late, and learn how to do that. And you know, just over time, um, I had some of my own history, and which gave me, I think, some of the trajectory that I've had today and and you know just kind of fast forwarding you can ask for anything about in the middle you know what I do today is I'm a family navigator uh, a crisis coach somebody who's you know really desiring to uh, be of service uh, I run an outpatient substance abuse treatment program called confidential recovery and your crisiscoach.com is my website for coaching and what I try to do is just be present and when an individual or a family has an individual in their family that has an issue, usually around substance abuse or co-occurring issues, or just is struggling with one thing or another, usually behind some sort of behavioral issue or substance abuse or alcohol or prescription medication. Uh, families call me and what I do is I get involved and help them navigate what next steps look like and how to you know, learn how to not only ask for help, 
but help them navigate the system on getting the appropriate level of care and support that they need. That's pretty amazing because um, I know a lot of people, just not, well, actually recently I had um, a conversation with a, a, a peer of mine and um, he actually works in the downtown area. And I, I, was, I was speaking about what we could do, you know what I mean? To like give people a chance that have a kind of a colored, you know, colorful background, you know, or on the streets and, and you know, and people just kind of just figure they don't want better. And I, but I felt like, well, if you put the right things in place for them, they'll be the ones that want to take advantage of it. And then there's the ones that probably won't. But, you know, I mean, this is how it is in general with anyone. Either you're going to take advantage, you know, you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make a tree. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a good point. And I think what's interesting, you know, here we are, in, you know, almost the end of the year of 2019, and, and we're seeing these, you know, continual growth issues around you know addiction uh, behind homelessness and you know we're in one of the supposedly one of the better economies we've ever had and one of the things i used to do in my old organization um, called second chance is we taught people how to go get and keep a job and one of the things that i was always used to brag about was if you can fog a mirror if you can fog a mirror i can help you get a job mm. but you have to have the right tools and I think to your point that one of the things that I think is lacking that, that we're not creating systemic changes, we're not giving people the right tools. We're telling people what we think they need to do. And I don't think people are embracing that um, suggestion simply because maybe they've tried it before and failed and don't know that there's an alternative. So one of the things I learned in, in how to help families navigate is you really have to offer a human being a choice. Because if you don't, they're probably not going to take the one thing you give them. And they might, but if they're not successful with it, then what happens is they get further behind the eight ball. Uh, their self-esteem you know, decreases and their insecurity increases. And when failure starts to happen more frequently, as human beings, we tend to give up. Yep. That's true. Very, very true. And that's like a, a big thing you said, the giving them the tools to, and you get shot down or you experience so much, you know, like they, they already just feel like they, you know, they're not, it's not going to happen. They don't have much, you know, you know, passion or they're not inspired because they're used to basically failing. Or, or you know, I used to say fa failing is familiar. It's like a comfortable sweater. You know, we all love a comfortable sweater. You know, but, but let me add something to the tool idea because when you said it, I, I want to make sure that I, I add it in there. For example, I used to watch people, you know, who were struggling and, and we'd bring different speakers in to talk and they go, well, you just need to go back to school. Well, you know, it's interesting. If you don't know how to go to school or you don't know how, how to go back to school or you don't know how to navigate the, the system or you don't even know how to walk onto a junior college and sign up and you've never done it you're probably going to be not only intimidated you may not do it simply because you're uncomfortable or it's unfamiliar yeah. so the idea of the tool is sometimes it needs to come with a set of instructions yeah. more importantly it requires a mentor or or somebody who can guide them or a big brother or a big sister or just somebody who's got experience you know a life coach is a good example, or somebody who really knows and understands how to do it. For example, if you're going to go change a tire and you've never changed a tire, if you could have somebody help show you how to do it, 
I mean, look, we have the internet today and there's lots of things on YouTube, but, you know, changing your life, you know, dream, it's kind of hard to go on YouTube and get, you know, testimonials, but there's information out there. Yeah. But again, if you don't know how to go get it or what question to ask, I know when I do Google searches trying to figure something out, I just, you know, you get on there and you get 16 million hits of something, but you really don't even know the right question. That's what, that's a tool, how to help people better understand the questions that need to be asked. I call it the footprints in the sand. It can be virtual, but if you don't have a guidebook, or you don't have a set of instructions, or you don't have a GPS, or you don't have a navigational tool, you're gonna be going in circles, and you're gonna get frustrated, and you're gonna give up. You can give up, yep. Totally true. I, I can say from experience, um, just in, uh, maybe not this exactly, but something that, you know, that I needed, that I wanted to acquire, that to help me move forward, I didn't have anybody. I knew what I wanted. I knew what would help me. I knew if I had somebody, you know, not like a machine that's telling me to press this number <laughs> or, you know, tell me to move. I needed someone, like a mentor, someone to tell me, teach me what to, what to ask. And I, I've been in that same situation where I gave up because there were so many options or things. I was like, what am I even looking for? And then it's just like, oh. And then when you come about again, you kind of just don't even want to do it because it's the same thing. You have someone there, you feel like somebody cares and, and you can trust, you know what I mean? You a human being is way more different and, and they can answer all your questions things that some some things can't you have to ask it in a certain way or you might have something extra you might need to ask or, you know or, or just have a relationship where you actually trust somebody enough to be able to say you know I went down this path and I ran into X, Y, and Z oh don't go with Y try you know X or Z or try why or my experience has been if you try to maybe pause for a moment you know and you have to go left or right my experience has been try to take the right turn first and if that doesn't work for you come back to the fork in the road and take the left turn so just having that little bit of support that little bit of you know compassion to be able to say that to somebody and for someone to be willing to listen to it can be a game changer. You know, in, in navigational terms, if you're off one degree over time, you're gonna be off a lot more than one degree. On the other hand, if you're on the right path and you know that you, you know, there's a few different variables involved, but you also know when to stop, make a phone call, ask for help, and get guidance, you know, you're gonna be able to get to your goal much more uh, easily. And not only that, you'll be experienced when you get there, so you could then share that with somebody else as well. Yeah. Most definitely, most definitely. More people need to know that. Because a lot of people don't know they have certain resources. Like I have a, a cousin that's looking for uh, long-term long care for her husband. I just, she's just not giving her any information, but I told her, I said, you have to, you know, you have to do your research. You know, it's out there. You just, you know, they're not going to tell you. You kind of have to wish that they would, you know, have more or be more willing to give her more options. But, you know, I know she had to told her she has to do the research. She has to look for it because they are. No, so yeah. and you know it, it, that's a great one. I went through this years ago with my parents and my wife's parents. You know, luckily we had some relationships and we could tap in. It's interesting because each one of our set of parents went to a different place, and both the places that they went to were highly recommended. But you know, you you, you got your suggestions, you did your research, you, and then you go talk to people, and then you ask questions. And we both made different decisions with um, informed. Uh, opportunities but they were and they ended up in different places so it's just it's one of those things where you know it isn't one size fits all and I think in life 
you have to understand that, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, I like that saying, fail frequently so you can succeed sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, one of my keys in my books, it's called, um, you know, learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and it's amazing sometimes, you know, when you, you, you sometimes push to a certain point and or pull to a certain point and you end up giving up too soon. And, and sometimes the, the the answer is just around the corner, but you know, we end up stopping too soon because we're frustrated or we don't even know we're on the right path or it looks scary or we don't know what to do next. I mean, I, I like to sum it up with doing life alone is next to impossible. And I don't care what it is you're talking about, from relationships to careers, to school, you know, to travel. I mean, look, just simply finding it, oh, I love, for example, Italian food. Well, you go Google Italian food, you know, there may be a couple hundred options in our community. So how do you find the one that you really love? You have to do ask more questions, you have to do a deeper dive. I mean, obviously there's things on the, you know, the internet like Yelp and, and review centers and different places to get information. But when it comes to the human part of life, it really takes talking to someone else. I mean, I, to me, life is all about relationships. Right, and yeah. that is something that I like to believe I've really built not only a strong foundation on, but I'm also not afraid to ask for help. And right. those are those are three tough words. I need help. I need help. Very most, much so. Most of us will avoid that at any cost. Yeah. I've been down that, that road before. <laughs> no, you were just sharing about a recent experience yesterday, you know, and, and, if, and if you didn't know what to do with that, uh, what would you have done if you tried to do it on your own and you were uninformed? You yeah. probably would end up going down a path that may not have gotten you to the you know opportunity that you really wanted to get to. Yeah, so I think it's real important. It's a we us our thing, and in a community as large as San Diego, there's a ton of resources here. But knowing how to go after them, knowing what to say when you get there, and also being willing to listen when you get there to those who have been there before you, and use that experience as part of your trajectory. Yeah. Their keyword they use, listen, because some people just want to get to what they want to get to and don't, you know what I mean? It's like, they, they don't, you know, they're in a rush to get to, <laughs> you know, it's like you got to ask, you know, if someone knows more than you and they have the information, then. Yeah. I heard it as early as, as this morning, you know, I'm, I'm in long-term recovery and I still go to recovery meetings. And I heard it said today, you know, we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I I was going to ask you, and then you just mentioned right now um, that you, you know, your recovery and you still still go to meetings. And uh, since you you mentioned that, I was going to ask you, did this come from when you came about Second Chance and then, um, uh, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, confidential recovery is this mm-hmm. was this before I'm gonna go ahead and say that this came about when you became clean and sober is this when you got, like were inspired well actually you know and, and I like to share publicly because I think if somebody hears that you know somebody else can do it maybe I can too and try to be a you know a small little tiny beacon of hope and, and, and know that there's faith if you have faith and you, and you keep that in front of you and, there, and know that there is hope and faith so I got into recovery. Actually, you know, all goes well. In a couple of weeks, I'll be uh, coming up on 35 years of continuous sobriety. Well, and, you know, it, it, it just, you know I, I live my life one day at a time, but it, that's a lot of days and weeks and months and years to put together. And 
part of how I've been able to do that is is rely on other people and to be interdependent when I need to be, learn how to set boundaries and also learn how to ask for help. Yes. So part of my journey, you know, I was in a family business and then when I got help, it was suggested I'd make a change in my career and I did and I was out of work for a couple of years and then I got into, you know, the housing arena for a while back in the late 80s and then started, you know, with Second Chance, opened up a nonprofit, ran it for 18 years, left that about 10 years ago and then did some consulting work and then ended up starting Confidential Recovery because I really, I saw so many people that were relapsing and I was I, I just going to so many funerals and I was so frustrated um, with the treatment world. So I, I decided, you know, kind of like how I started my nonprofit, everyone said, well, we, we're not gonna be able to work with you. Okay, I'll do it myself. And that's kind of how Confidential Recovery came about was I wanted to try to open up uh, an outpatient treatment program for you know, working people, career people, people who, you know, didn't necessarily need inpatient um, kind of uh, supervision, still had a job, maybe some intact family, and needed to keep that. So for them, an outpatient program really was, a, I thought, a great idea, and I've been doing that now for just coming up on six years. But all along, I've been doing this family navigating crisis intervention because that's something I really love to do. I really, I'd rather help somebody find a way to get access to help. I do the delivering directly of an outpatient program. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a clinician. I use people who are much smarter than I am to do the clinical side, but I put together this funnel to help people get access to it. And I just want to continue to grow that. And when I say that, what I mean is help people get into treatment, help people get access, to, you know, if they need mental health support, behavioral health, just mm -hmm. find a way to help them get through you know, some of the confusion and to find ways to, you know, get to the right level of expertise and support. And again, in our community, there's tons of experts that, you know, do psychology and support, psychiatric support and clinical support. And there's all kinds of things that need to be done when it comes to, you know, transforming your life. You can't just go to a 28-day program and that's all you do. I mean, according to science, if that's all you do, there's a 95% chance you're gonna relapse. So it's real important to have a path when you're talking about dealing with something as you know baffling as addiction. And so the idea is to talk to the experts, to ask for help. But there's all, it's always good to have a third party helping guide you because there's a lot of people out there that are selling something mm -hmm. to get money from somebody else. So to be able to find a good high level of integrity program that's ethical and really wants to see people get better. I mean, like our attitude is we want to meet everybody where they're at and everybody is different. And it's important to let people know that so they're not as afraid, especially people who have been around a while. I mean, we have parents who've been through it and they watch they watch their parents not be successful. They're thinking as well, it didn't work for them, it won't work for me. Mm -hmm, exactly. And if you, if you look at our opioid crisis right now in our country, it's just horrible. It is, and it's getting worse. And we're seeing more and more people expire, you know, taking counterfeit medication, getting access to medication and medicine cabinets. I mean, I actually run another nonprofit called Safe Homes Coalition, and it's a medication removal um, nonprofit. It teaches people how to get unsafe and unused medication out of the medicine cabinets and the proper way to dispose of them, because you can't throw it down the sink and you can't put it in the trash. So, when, and when you, you know, you wake up in the morning, you can't go a 24 hour period, not hear about the opioid crisis, fentanyl, methamphetamine, mm -hmm. and you know, of course, alcohol is still out there and other prescription drugs as well. So 
I think of myself as a subject matter expert. I don't think of myself, I've actually been given that name, but as a subject matter expert, my job as I see it is to get out there and talk about it as much as possible. Yeah. Because the, the drug dealers aren't slowing down, the king slings aren't gonna go away. And people who wanna self-medicate because they don't know how to process untreated trauma, they're not gonna stop doing that either. I mean, today is actually, you know, uh, suicide awareness day across the country. So, you know, I think it's important that we have these kind of conversations. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be talking about it because if we don't, we're never gonna reduce the stigma and we're not gonna make it easy for people to get help. And the big, I mean, and just to put it out there, that's the only way we're going to know anything is communication. That's how we pretty much, you know what I mean? If we don't communicate anything, we could think about stuff all the time. But if we're not putting it out there and letting people, we just wonder, like, why is she doing this? She should do that. They should be doing this. Well, okay, well, now we don't know. She told them. <laughs> and then, you know, like you said, those people have a, a problem with asking for help. And I get it because of maybe what they've learned, where they came from, what they saw someone else go through. And what I've learned when I like working at a school and, and being around a lot of parents and different different kind of people for in the last six and a half years, is that a lot of people, I don't see a lot of inspired people. People have lost hope, it feels like. That's the only thing I can think of. Like everything's like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's, that's not gonna, I hear everything about how it's not gonna work versus let me try this. Okay, I'm gonna try that. It's like, eh. You know, no one has any hope or they just think everything, it's it's not going to work or this is, you know? Uh, you know, that's what I was sharing earlier. I think that people, they bump into something. Um, you know, my book is called Tell Me No, I Dare You. And it's all about how people hear no and they give up. Seven out of 10 people will just give up. They'll get frustrated and go, I, I can't do this anymore. Or, uh, you know, societally what's happened is, you know, some of the parents in our community think the schools should be doing it and the schools believe the parents should be doing it and and the county says well you know we can only do so much and then you know the city government says well we only have so many resources and you know some of our legislative leaders uh they they sit on platforms talking about what it is they think needs to be done and then when they get into you know the uh, trenches trying to execute you know becomes a, an overwhelming uh issue i mean look it, my old organization, we were primarily defined as a homeless provider. I mean, look at homelessness, for example. I, mean, I just heard in the news last week that California now has 50% of the homeless in the country. Yeah. I mean, true. what is that? I mean, we're here in America's finest city. When they talk about California, you know, it's primarily San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento. These are the big cities, Riverside County. So it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're better than that. Yeah. I mean, we heard, we heard the governor yesterday talking about how the power companies are turning off the power because they're worried about, you know, their power lines starting fires because they don't want to be liable and be sued. You know, he said it. Here we are, you know, a pretty sophisticated state, one of the wealthiest in the country, and we can't even figure out a way to keep our lights on and prevent fires. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and he was angry. It was good to see Newsom angry. But look at this homelessness situation. I mean, since I left the arena of providing you know housing and job training and wraparound services the homeless populations almost doubled in yeah. san diego and it's just amazing it is amazing to me 
that we as a community somehow have gotten to the point where this is so much a part of our landscape. It's like we're just walking over bodies asleep in the street because yep. we don't want to deal with it. Oh, you said, oh, I can't believe. Yes, you're so right. And I just did a show on this <laughs> like maybe some weeks ago with a, a friend of mine that works down, you know, around, uh, with a, um, a company that, you know, that works down there downtown and, and sees, you know, everything and, and has to, you know, deal with, you know, the homeless. And uh, it was just amazing the things that we talked about. And he was giving me, you know, numbers from children, the, the age, you know what I mean, from, you know, just just the, the, the statistics all in general of what he sees down there and how just exactly what you said. It's like we're walking over, you know, bodies, you know, he says there's the ones that live down there that kind of just don't want them around or people just kind of like, Ugh, you know, get, you know, get them out of here. It's like nobody's saying like, oh, let's, you know what I mean, do something even more than what we're doing. And I know well, right when my sister stays over here, they were building and they kept building things like kind of downtown and more up and they were pushing the homeless. It was maybe like last year I noticed, not that far from where I live, that they were pushing the homeless seem to be pushing more towards residences. And then there were break-ins and then you would just see like people like just laid, you know, in the neighborhood, like just laid all around and down the street. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I'll give you a quick fact. You know, according to science, not my fact, 40% of our homeless are veterans. I mean, since our president, whatever political side the aisle you're on, you know, became our leader, he's been talking about, you know, revamping the VA, the veteran system. And I know they've been working on it. But at the end of the day, I'll give an example, there's a company in, called TriWest who provides insurance for substance abuse for veterans who are not active duty. I've had an application in since February of this year. February. What is it? October. I have been told that my application is still in the approval process. How is that possible? I mean, we're a credentialed, you know, already approved by the state in operation for five plus years, and I can't get an answer out of this company. So I went to a local congressperson who's helping me, and all we're and all they have to do is say. They've already told us that we're, you know, in credentialing, which means we've been approved, our license has been verified, they they've checked us out, and we're just waiting for someone to sign a piece of paper. Wow. And right now in this country, 240 people die every day behind opioids, just opioids. And 80% of those, 80% of those people uh, are using prescription medication. And the other 20% we're talking about, you know, heroin and street drugs and fentanyl. That's 240 a day. That's a plane crash. And that's been going on right now for years. And, you know, we just had a report in the news that, you know, according to the task force, the opioid overdose morbidity rate is starting to slow down. Well, I heard that, but I don't believe it because I think people are using other drugs Methamphetamine's bigger than it's ever been in the last 10 years, cheaper than it's ever been, and it's nine times stronger than it was 10 years ago. So you start mixing drugs, and according to most of the core data, it comes from the medical examiner now, not even from families. So if we're, if, if the morbidity rate's increasing, but they're saying that the overdose rate is decreasing, we're getting mixed messages. So I know this, I know, that in order to try to help people 
We, as providers, people who want to try to help, shouldn't have to struggle this hard, especially if you're you're licensed and you're credentialed and you're official and you've got a track record. Why would it take this long? Because all they have to do is sign a piece of paper then I can start seeing veterans. There's money there. The veterans want to get help besides going to the VA. But you know what? All, I can, all I'm told is you're in credentialing. We don't know when it's going to be signed, but everything's good to go. We're just waiting for a signature. And I've been hearing that basically. We start in February. I've been hearing that for four months. And it just pisses me off that people are dying and we can find a way to help. And, but we can't do it without the signature. And, and I don't even know. I have no idea what's holding it up. That's crazy. It just shows that there's no urgency yeah. on their parts. People, like yeah. you said, and I know, I know, and I know we're not the only ones. I've heard it from others. And San Diego is, you know, one of the biggest military towns in the country. We have more, you know, uh, veterans per capita than most cities across the whole country. So this should be one place that someone puts a magnifying glass and said, "What can we do to help?" I just, I, I just, it's astonishing to me how it doesn't seem like there's a, a urgency when it comes to these things. Uh, like, like you're speaking of now, like people are dying, people are in need, you know, it's not like out here doing this for fun, you know, it's like we need something and it's right there in your grasp, but oh, 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 you know, what it, you know, it's like, like no urgency. I, I would think it's something you, like if it was yourself or your own family member, you're like, oh, we need this, we gotta get this now. Well, why not for your people of your, your your city, your your country? I mean, just for just it's the humane right thing to do. How, you know, how about that? I don't know. I don't get it. You know, I remember you remember when people people were running red lights. They thought, oh, let's get cameras and let's put cameras up at red lights and, and you know intersections, and we'll send people tickets. And then for about a minute, it, you know, some of the accidents slowed down. So we found a way. I mean, it was San Diego State University earlier this year when they had a menococcal breakout. They found a way to inoculate 35,000 students in a matter of weeks. So, you know that saying where there's a will, there's a way, to your point. There's got to be a level of urgency. We've got to turn it up a little bit, and we've got to start making some effort, not only from, you know, the ground up, from the t but also from the top down and the middle out. Because yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to point a finger at anybody, but I just want to, I don't want to stop saying, look, we can do better than this. What do we need to do to do better, to get better, to be better? What is it going to take? And, you know, it's easy to complain about the problems, but I'm willing to do the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. So I hope that my attitude, you know, will continue to promote some sort of change and ultimately create some systemic change. And I know if you and I are talking about it, that you and I are talking about it when you talk to others. So, you know, what's that saying? It takes one. To help one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's what people need to know and understand. Like those, because you feel like it's just you. Don't not you know give the message or help. You know, it's just, it, every voice you know it passes along. You know, sure. You talk about it. You hear it. You hear it, and then it comes across a person that was like, "Oh my gosh, this is what I needed." You know. <laughs> it's it's so, not it's not that complicated. You're absolutely right, and I'm willing to do whatever I can to be part of that process. And, you know, I sit at a lot of tables, I go to a ton of different meetings, and I don't get paid to do that. And I see all these different people from municipalities, the county, the city, you know, that are, that are being paid to be at these meetings. And I see them, you know, month after month, year after year, and I go, 
why aren't we, oh, well, you know, budget issues. When I hear that, it makes me crazy. Mm. We don't have, an, yeah, we, there's a lot of money. I mean, we're spending billions on the homeless issue in our, in our state, and we're still not making improvement, in my opinion. So it, it is fascinating to me that, you know, it's almost like, because I know little things make big differences, but it takes, yeah. it takes a village. It really does. Yep. That's my favorite saying, takes a village. You know, we're in this together. We have to help one another. That's just what it we're, is. We're all, we're, all, we're all impacted by it. Listen to this. Here's an interesting stat for you. According to science, okay, 15% of our community, say San Diego, has an active addiction issue that will erupt over the next 12 months, okay? So 15% of 3.3 million, we're talking just shy of a half a million people, do the math. According to science, 10% of those people will, will try to access treatment. But also according to science, if they're not, they don't stay in a continued program, 95% of them will fail. So when you look at that data, that, those are really, that's a diminishing return at the end of the day. But here's what's really interesting. For everybody who's walking around in our community who's impaired from either self-medication, heavily diagnosed with untreated trauma or depression, and is self-medicating, if you will, they will impact seven people every day negatively. Seven people. So 15% have the problem and 70% of them, you know, are impacted. That's 85% of our community. That's a lot of people. Wow. And that's, you know, that's 70%. That could be your family member. It could be a coworker. It could be, you know, if you're driving under the influence, it could be a variety of different places. But that is a scary, scary number when you think about it. And substance abuse, substance use disorders, is totally treatable. Behavioral health, mental health issues are treatable. There are solutions out there for that. So for us as a society, to be able to take some action, it wouldn't really be that hard and it really wouldn't take that much because there are a lot of experts, but someone has to steward this mm -hmm. or someone has to get a group together that says, hey, what's that, that, remember that movie, I'm angry as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. So I think the solutions are there. That's where the hope comes in. And I believe that we can create systemic change. That's where my faith comes in. So. At the end of the day, whatever I can do, you know, and I want to give you my number, put it out there. It's 619-993-2738, 619-993-2738. And anybody who hears this, you call that number or text me. I'll give you 10 minutes of free coaching. When you look at my website, I'm not inexpensive, but I've also got, you know, 35 years of experience that I bring to every minute that I give to somebody when we're talking. And most of my work is done by phone. So you can call me or text me, 619-993-2738, yourcrisiscoach.com, or call us at Confidential Recovery, or Safe Homes Coalition, which is the nonprofit I run, to get some of that medication out of the home. So I, just in my little, you know, quiver, the arrows that I bring, can help create a lot of opportunity and I'll do anything I can to help a family. And if I can't help you, I'll find a way to point you in the direction where help can be gotten. Does that sound like a fair offer? That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for putting that out there for, for any listener that needs it. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to let you know, Scott, that Okay, I started this show, A Voice to Be Reckoned With, because I have a lot to say. That's why I tell people, they're like, why did you start? I have a lot to say. 
and I have a lot of useful stuff to say. You know, that's the thing about it is, and like what we're talking about now. And that's where I want my show to be a place of, and I want you to know that at any time, this is your, this is your home too, to where we can use this platform to put useful, helpful, you know, resources out there and make it easy for them to even contact my, you know, to have ways they can contact my, my show privately if they want to be on it or just want to want me to talk about something or, you know, get in touch with you or find the resources. This is, I, I would love to use my show for, for that. Anything that you want to um, bring to the table and I will definitely help you to to go on this this mission, this journey. I call it a mission and I'm not, I'm not going to stop till the day I die. So, you know. No, I'm, I've already given your name and number to a couple people, and I know one or two of them I'm going to see next week. And I, you know, until we had a chance to meet and get our conversation started, but I'm putting your name out there. And I really appreciate what you're doing. I've reviewed your website, and you are talking a lot to people, and people are talking to you. And I think that, you know, we need those voices out there. We need people speaking up. We need people to take action. We need people to say, I'll do the heavy lifting, I'll be part of the process. But I want to be part of the solution. You know, we know what the problem is. I want to be part of the solution. And I think where there's a will, there's a way. And there's always hope. And if you keep the faith, there's nothing we can't do working together. Nothing. I like that. I like that right there. And if we had, if we get more people thinking like that, so we can change the world. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm behind you. Yeah. And I'll step in front of you when you want me to, if you're tired and you want to put your head down. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go to the door first, and, and it's good to take turns. Because that's is. the way it work. Teamwork, thank you, I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. Uh, before I let you go, though, <laughs> I did, I did want to ask you, I want to ask you, and, the, and I know you've been in this for a very long time, so that you probably have more than one, but what is your most memorable moment or, you know, time in, um, in what you do? Like, what's, you know, what has, like, the, that one, is it that one that really just, you know? That, that's a great question, you know, and I, I would answer that this way. There was, when I was actively working in a classroom with, you know, about 50 people a month, and it's, it's there's there's more than just one story, but this is an example of many many examples of one story. Is when somebody that I would meet or was introduced to me who was struggling with a variety of different things. When we helped them, you know, plant the seeds and share the tools, and they picked up those tools and they started to work those tools with their own their own trajectory and their own life and their own path. And when they became successful whether it be get a degree in school, get their, their kids back, get a family back together again, get a, a job or a career of their lifetime that they, they always vision. When they come back and share it with others, to me, that was the moment that told me that everything I do and everything I want to have happen is happening. So I get a chance with what I do to be able to live that miracle with others and to, I call it funeral avoidance. I don't want to go to any more funerals. And when I watch families, you know, and sometimes it's like, shut up and listen. It's a very important message. And sometimes families need to hear that uh, because they, they don't, they need to know that it's okay to not be able to try to do something that they don't have the skill sets for. And it's not their fault. If a child has a disease or an addiction, you know, if you and I were talking about diabetes 
we wouldn't be talking about it. You go get diagnosed, the doctor, you know, does your blood work and the doctor gives you, you know, a way to read your blood sugar level and insulin to take throughout the day and you can live a normal life. So watching somebody come back and say, I got the job or I got my family back or it's unbelievable the I'm on today that I wasn't on before and I can't and they, and, they, and they can't stop thanking everyone around them. I'm just, you know, I'm one of the tools. That's it. That's all I do. I'm one of the tools. And I worked with a lot of different people over the years who have been great, great leaders who were, you know, students first and became the teacher. And they became the professor. Some of them now own their own schools. So it's amazing to watch. That's the transformation. That's the word I was looking for. The transformation that people make and then watch them just shine and just go and go and go. It makes it all worth it. Yep. Like no amount of money could, you know, ever, you know, even come close to just that that right there itself. You know, do you help somebody? I do. Although my wife does want me to make a living at this one day, and I said, oh, you know, <laughs> lower your expectations. You know, it's an interesting point you make about the money because, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, we're going to build thousands and thousands of housing units for the homeless. If 80% of the homeless are under the influence of something mood altering, you can't just throw them in a house without the tools. Right. They're not right. going to know what to do with it. So yeah, they're going to lose it all. They're going to lose well, it. That's, that's part of the solution. And, and, you know, I used to say you can't, you can't get a job without, without an address and you can't keep an address without a job. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but, but it's got to be put out in front of people. You know, you can't just pick up a violin and start playing it without instructions. I mean, probably one out of a million people maybe could do that. So, you know, I digress. I think, you know, to, to, to end our, our time together, but to say again, watching someone go through that transformation and then watch them turn around and put their hand out to somebody else, to me, that is the gift that to me is worth more money than I could ever make in my lifetime. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. That you're, you're, you're pretty amazing. I'm just gonna go out there and say that. You're amazing. I know you probably heard this. <laughs> I know you, you can't hear that enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I appreciate you for what appreciate you for what you do for our right. community. And um, and I I'm very honored to be able to join you, you know, uh, on this journey, on this mission. And just just thank you and keep doing what you're doing because you're doing an amazing job. Well, thank you. And you you keep doing what you're doing. Let's keep doing what we're doing together. And you give my phone number to anybody at any time. I'm one of those few people that when I see a strange phone number on my phone, I pick it up and I, I'm, cause I'm hopeful it might be a way to help somebody navigate the next steps in their life. Yeah. So. That's, that's awesome, thank you. That's why I put my number out there. 619-993-2738, I'll do it again. 619-993-2738. You call me in the next 30 days and say you heard my name for any show and I'll give you 10 minutes of free coaching. Be my gift to you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm just gonna ask you real quick. So if you wanna go and um, get your book, uh, was it Tell Me No More Idea You? Tell Me No Idea You. can come right to my website, yourcrisiscoach.com. I've got the book there. I've got them in my garage. I'm happy to send you one. Maybe we'll meet for coffee or something and we'll talk about how I can be a resource and maybe how we can help each other. Cause I'm sure there's people out there who are in the same business you're in and I'm in that's helping others. Let's find ways to work together. Let's leverage our resources. Let's maybe go down and 
talk to the right people in, in you know there's something you know powerful and, and working together and powerful in numbers and when you uh, sometimes when you whisper you get attention sometimes you got to scream a little stuff thank you so much once again um scott and uh we definitely would love to have you back at another time let me know thank you and thank you everyone for listening tuning in with scott silverman and he gave you the information for more than free to get in touch and reach out okay we'll be back soon thanks Thanks, Scott Silverman, for being a guest on my show. Thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for giving out the information that you did to help save families. You're an amazing person, and thank you for what you do. If you ever need a place, you're always welcome here at A Voice to Be Reckoned With with Brandy Joy. Thanks, Scott.